Today we're joined by Lee Jorgensen, one of Cheetah Digital's best and brightest client success directors. I think my ancestors would be proud. We have the hard J around here, but I, I often say that if I'm really going to tip my hat to my heritage, I'd, I'd go with the soft Jorgensen. Obviously, I have European leanings. You'd definitely keep that J and be proud of it. For those uh, retailers and the brands that are understanding their current audience and understanding the data around them, what are the sort of general rules or metrics when it comes to monitoring performance? Taking it one step back and saying, maybe let's not assume that you even feel like you've got a good handle on your audience. Because what I found is that while, while the conversation around sophisticated digital marketing has continued to evolve and, and continued to change, there are a lot of retailers. And again, I've worked with hundreds of different businesses, many of them retailers. And you just assume that everybody is, you know, maybe just a couple steps behind what, where the conversation is today. And the reality is there are so many retailers and so many brands out there that are still at square one. For instance, you know, take stock. Where are you in, in, in the spectrum? Um, like, are you even uh, analyzing and evaluating your, your email acquisition sources? Do you have a way, mm -hmm. a dashboard? Do you have a way to determine, you know, where valuable uh, email acquisition is coming from and places you're tapping to do that are bad? I, many, many retailers I've worked with can't answer that question today. Um, once you've got the, you know, person acquired, are you segmenting and truly personalizing your communications to them? Uh, again, the idea of cross-channel has been around now. It seems like it's old hat. But when you look into the practice of it, many, many businesses are still struggling with trying to figure out how to do that in a meaningful way. So where are you there? Um, frequency cohorts. So, you know, how do you do that? So, you know, that's something that's been around forever, but a lot of people, you know, how do I figure out, you know, the customer that has the appetite to hear from me more frequently versus those that are less. Um, and then, you know, start to monitor as people shift from one to the other. And then, and then use that as a life cycle, you know, uh, trigger to say, hey, I see someone who's, who's falling, you know, by the wayside by, you know, RFM modeling, for instance, again, been around forever, but are you using that? And are you using it in an intelligent way to uh, monitor, you know, kind of slice up and break up your audience and then monitor the movement, you know, either, either up or down those cohorts to determine what you should be doing to try to either prevent attrition or increase that lifetime value and engagement from the customer. And then finally, you get to, you know, things like, you know, the buzzwords of ML and AI and on all of that that's been, you know, talked about now for, for several years. But I think, again, if you really did a survey, people would say, yeah. but, you know, how has it really gotten into uh, my marketing efforts? Many, many, many businesses are still, and retailers, you know, specifically, I think are still struggling to get there. If you've got nothing going on, just start by, you know, make sure you got the right dashboards, make sure you, you have the right insight to, to determine and make data driven decisions. Once you've got that, you know, now let's, you know, cohorts and RFM modeling. And, um, you know, if you've got the tools 
you know, awesome. Dive into ML, dive into some of that stuff and, and use that to help you figure out where, uh, you know, the, once all the data is together, where are the meaningful connections? Really step one is just making sure that you have, you almost audited all your data sources from, you know, your online presence, from the feedback loops you might be getting from the, the messaging you're sending out all the data that can be looked at and try to put it in a central pot or centralized place and then just really take the time to to go through it and and make sense of it and and you know the key tool there cdps and you know that's why you know here at cheetah we've got the edp is uh you you understand uh that you need to be able to take in all that data in real time or you know whether that's your batch or api whatever you got to take that in real time um, and you've got to be able to act on it, which means you've got to be able to, to make sense of it, run ML, you've got to be able to, to, to crunch that, find the, the meaningful nuggets, and then act on it in real time. So you've got to have that output to all the right channels. I'm going to need a hacksaw. That, that's, that's where I'm at with my customers is those businesses that are there and ready and have the technology in place. We have some really cool use cases and some things that we're going to be able to do. What are a couple or anything that pops to mind when it comes to yeah this massive data what are the sort of things that are most important to look at or to process this is this is coming from you know a bit of a position of ignorance for myself what are the, the things that you know would cause someone to go oh right we could do something with this these set of numbers you need your transaction so you want to you want to find you know what are people buying how much are they buying so you get into you know average order value and and you know you know basket size and you, you look at uh, frequency purchase and uh, seasonality and how the, you know so so all that's going to come around the transaction data so you want to you want to have that what would be great to marry with that is a rich personal profile so where do they live is that even relevant uh, gender age uh, all kinds of that demographic data um, if you find yourself that you you have you know some of that and usually I think a lot of businesses have the transaction data because they're they're having to process transactions yep. in business I think where people sometimes get weak is in demographic. Um, and, and what I'm finding is, you know, so a lot of people, you know, you can run uh, like basket analysis and start to find out how, how, you know, products related to, to one another. So we see people buying, you know, with, with a gray hat, uh, we see people lots of, you know, buying lots of green jackets. For the next person that shops our website and puts a, a, a gray hat in the basket, we can recommend a green jacket because, you know, mm -hmm. they look fetching. But where it gets really exciting, and if you can take it to the next level, is start to build out a richer demographic profile and then start to layer that data in as well. Yeah. Now it's not just, you know, you're kind of shooting blind. I mean, why though? Why is the gray hat getting put with the, you know, the green jacket? And now you can start to look at more personal uh, demographic data, preference data, and, and start to layer that in and maybe find some really interesting nuggets that you can yeah. to act on. Um, and so... You know, that's where, you know, for my customers, you know, we, we've got the experiences product, uh, which is, is uh, you know, enabling the, the capture of that data. Sometimes retailers in particular digital marketers in retail have pushed back on experiences because they see their job as mainly pushing product or uh, ways to buy or offers rather than 
as you said, an experience that could help the brand longer term because you're learning more. You know, we ought to commission a study on this. I don't know how uh, <laughs> the resident psychologist is here at Cheetah, but you think about a brand that you love a lot or something, a product that you consume or engage with a lot. So for me, you know, I pretty much every day I'll have a cup of coffee. So that's one of the things that, um, you know, that, that you would see, I, I would say I have a high uh, propensity for, for being engaged on that topic because it's something I consume every day. So Dunkin' Donuts, you know, I, they're my coffee of choice if I'm going to go out and good, do something. Good man, I'm a Dunkin' guy. <laughs> Julian runs on Dunkin', it's fine. <laughs> no, I have to disagree, Julian. No, me and Leah are right. We're both European <laughs> in nature with our, with our great J's. You know, they, so that I've got an appetite to hear from them, you know, more frequently because, you know, if they're running a deal, they're going to give me a free donut with my drink purchase, whatever. There's a reason to engage me. And I, there's a decision I'm probably making every day about, you know, am I going to make my cup at home or am I going to go out for one? Do I want a donut or a bagel with that or, you know, what? You know, so there's some situations where, you know, okay, I'm willing to hear from you uh, pretty frequently, but there are a lot of brands and a lot of retailers out there where, even if I love and buy from you a lot, I probably don't want to hear from you that. I mean, you, you don't, you, there's a reason for you to, you know, stay top of mind and kind of blip, you know, on my radar a few times a week, but, but my actual frequency of buying from your brand is going to be really low. So, so you being extremely successful is, is going to be a low hit rate in terms of me actually buying, like, you know, opening your message and then buying. So what in the world else are you going to talk to me about? And I think that's where brands miss it is it's like, mm -hmm. we want to be, we want to, you know, we need to have that sale in front of the customer at all times because we don't know when it is that they're going to buy. And so it's just, you know, sale, 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 product, product, product. And they miss out on the idea that there's a relationship to be had with the customer. And like you were saying, there's rich data to be gained on the customer. There, there's an opportunity to, to create some stickiness with the customer to get them to lean in and, and pay attention when you do message them by not just, uh, you know, shelling out sales all the time. The experiences that we talk about, they're all building brand awareness. They're all building a level of interaction, which is different to, just being transactional the value exchange here is is almost emotional and and uh, um, qualitative you know it's, it's it's something that people will enjoy and, and something they can interact with on some of the successful conversations you've had what have you said to certain brands that they, that suddenly get it when in retail they go yes we do need to be doing these types of experiences and are there certain things that stood out for them is it a quiz is it a poll is it, uh, you know, f providing feedback, but in a shinier way than just a simple survey? Yeah, um, I, honestly, uh, the, the crisis that we're in right now has helped a lot because uh, everybody's stuck at home and online mm -hmm. and retailers are, are saying, shoot, I wasn't expecting this. And so I, I don't know how to talk to you except to just keep throwing 60% off at you. People are realizing we got to do something different. We got to we got to find a way to build a relationship online now because they're not interacting with our associates in our stores. What can we do with very minimal lift? Yeah, because we don't have the bodies to do. It. Or what can we do um, where you, you know you, you, we can outsource it? Um, we we don't have a lot of incremental budget either. But you know if we can do something that's worth our our while, then 
um, and you guys can take the lift for us, then this is something you know we're going to pay attention to. I'm finding right now there's a lower bar. You know, you were talking about this resistance to do something that doesn't, that's just not explicitly self-serving. Yeah. There's a lower bar there because um, people are home. Like there's a willingness to anybody who can entertain and, and offers some sort of, you know, mental escape to their customers. There's a, you know, there's an opportunity there. And I think brands are starting to get that. So um, I think that, you know, you and I had, had chatted about, you know, kind of a candy crush type experience out there mm -hmm. where where a brand can just you know match up the clothing of the retailer or the whatever it is and and let that uh you know just kind of be a fun little experience but of course wrapped in the setting of the brand and the products that they offer yeah um, you know and there's you know clever live polls people really like live polls those are easy to get off the ground and uh brands seem to really resonate with that because it's giving you know it's not just the brand it, but it's also people are interested in taking them because they want to see what everybody else is thinking and saying as well yeah. Um, and so this could be pretty interesting. And then of course that's rich data that you can, you can, you know, depending on what the poll is, um, you can take down that, that data, uh, and then, you know, figure out, you know, who's who and, and how you want to communicate to them based on. Just for anyone tempted by our carrot of real time polling, I mean, it takes, it takes even, even a, a, a rich experience with like, uh, branded imagery and, uh, brand look and feel you could spin a, uh, one of those polls up in less than 10 minutes once you're you're set up on on the platform and the other thing of course is everything's clonable trying to pick your brain about experiences if there are certain targeting criteria that retailers can look at where should they be pushing their focus should it be on everything with acquisition continued engagement and you know re-engagement of attrition or is there some type of category that you think will drive the most value versus the others if you're still in the acquisition if you if you're fortunate enough to be able to put the dollars into acquisition still then obviously you, you want to make sure you're squeezing every last bit of juice out of that spend that's where experiences you know come to play because right now people are saying you know, how do i get that data where do i focus you know if you're waiting if you have to wait for someone to come to your website and see what they're shopping to, to then figure out what they're interested in, you've just missed that visit and they might not come back again. Um, that's where experiences comes into play. If I'm able to put that in, and I'm, I'm gonna offer you an engaging thing uh, out there and, and start to get real data on you, I can drive you to my website or wherever and already know something about you, I can, all, I can make sure that that experience is personalized. So if you're in the acquisition game, um, you know, you, you ought to be paying attention. You, using these experiences, you know, a lot of these retailers have really big social followings. Um, and so you don't have to pay anything. You, you can go out and, and launch an experience that's fun and engaging and net new names from your social audiences into your known database so that you can turn them into, you know, uh, so, some piece of revenue flow. So there's still acquisition that, that you don't have to go out and spend, you know, display ad dollars for. Um, so by, by all means, you know, take advantage and, and try to figure out how to, to provide that entertaining, engaging way to tap into those existing channels where you can do some organic posting and, and make it happen. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah. but yeah, so, so, but I, again, some businesses won't be able to do the acquisition outside of something like I just mentioned. And in those cases, um, you know, you really want to, uh, to, to again, think entrepreneurially and, and how can you kind of use that gorilla approach to just 
roll up your sleeves and do something really creative with minimal lift to get that one additional data piece to fill out that profile and have a more meaningful skew analysis, you know, basket analysis, or that, that new experience that's going to uh, bring somebody in um, and, and end up with something that you can uh, build a new life cycle program off of just one new incremental life cycle program. Um, you know, we, we worked with some brands where all they did was launch a thank you email post-purchase and, you know, like insane, they didn't, I don't think they, they even offered a, a, a repeat purchase discount. They just said, thank you for your purchase and here's some other product and ended up with, you know, insane ROI revenue generating from a trigger. You set it and forget it. You build one email, mm -hmm. you set it up and, and trigger it. So you know, scan, scan around and, and do a real good audit and you'll find some really nice low hanging fruit to take advantage of on all fronts, acquisition and, and retention. With experiences, how could a retailer look to re-engage a database or audience that they know that have sort of opted in to receive communications and keep receiving communications, but perhaps are, have been dormant for a while, have been identified as sort of just yeah not active or or um not purchased in a while what is there a value of chucking experience at at those types of people and and would there be one that could work well oh for sure uh you know the the art is figuring out what that experience is which is one of the reasons i like experiences so much the scale i mean if i was going to run uh, you know, a, a pay-per-click campaign for somebody, I'm, I'm going to, you give me a thousand dollars, I'm going to spend a ton of that up front, just going wide to figure out what works. And then I'm going to boom, tighten it up and then say this, I found gold. And now the rest of my spend is just going to go into that with experiences because you can scale, you know, it, you don't know, Elijah, you don't know what's going to hit, what's going to make a difference. What are people going to react to positively? And unless you're going to put some massive sweepstakes or incentive behind it, which is a challenge that many brands just can't afford to do right now, uh, paying for the legalese and then footing the bill for a prize, you can mm -hmm. use scale on experiences to throw out a whole bunch and see what sticks, see what catches, and then say, oh, there we go. Now we hit on something that's interesting. What did we just learn from that? And then start to cue in on it. Um, so, you know, you talk about dormant, like what is it that's going to bring them out of the woodwork? Um, you know, again, getting back to, you know, learning from your mistakes and where you weren't ready. I do have the pleasure of working with some brands who have invested in recently invested in uh, consumer research. What, what are their audience? What's the brand mean to the audience? What, what are the key value propositions for their audience? What do they care about? Not just when they're shopping, but just as a, as an individual, you know? And so when you're armed with that data, you probably have a really good leg up to, to say, here's what my audience is going to care about. But for those of you that are kicking yourself saying, yeah, that's great. Would have loved to do that, but I can't commission that research right now. Plus it takes a long time to get the results in. What do I do today? Back to experiences, start, you know, casting a wide net and starting to, to, to you know, ask questions, see what bites you get back, figure out ways, you know, in innovative ways to, uh, to pull and understand uh, the audience, what are the meaningful questions you need to have answered, then get creative to figure out how you get those answered through some experiences. And then you'll find out, you know, what the meaningful, you know, uh, points are to your audience. And then, you know, now you've got your answer. This is where I, this is where I target. This is what I can say. This is what I can offer or what I can do to bring people to life. We've seen with some of these brands, you know, they, 
and they've got a, an audience that, uh, like you said, they've tuned out because they've been washed over with too many sales. And so part of our strategy is we actually start to snooze communications and say, let's, let's do a cool off period where we, we stop the waves crashing on the shore of them. And, and then once things have calmed down for a while, then we hit them with a really in, you know, targeted and incentivized message to, to wake them up and see if we can re-engage them. And again, that could be an experience, that could be an offer in an email or an SMS. Um, but I would, I would say, uh, you know, consider what may have tuned them out in the first place and try to maybe reverse that a little bit or kind of give them a, a breather so that they'll even notice that experience or they'll notice that um, mm. communication. Tying up to messaging, which you mentioned there at the beginning, Leanne, just a minute ago, um, let's just go look at that form from retailers and just look at simple ways that they have successfully communicated. I mean, you've touched upon things that, you know, you're trying to encourage people not to do, which is, you know, a batch and blast, similar message, overly salesy, and just not too uh, communicative, you know, or, or communal. What are some of the good examples or good methods you've seen? Is it SMS? Is it through apps? Is it through emails? Yeah, I think, um, you know, just saw some research and it's born true in my experience is that email is still a really effective tool for communicating and especially when it comes to transactions. You know, the channel, you know, based on the audience will vary. Uh, but I think what I've seen be really successful is just uh, finding that relevant spot. Like, who are you? Who's your brand? You know, what role does your brand play? Tying back our earlier conversation about data and kind of analyzing the data, what are ways that retailers can start looking at their data and leveraging that to balance the mix of channels for like communicating in social and SMS and email and how can retailers decide when and how and where they should be messaging? Uh, boy, the easy answer is machine learning. <laughs> uh, you know, you you take in all the data and you let the machine look at it and say, uh, you know, what you were sending them email and you were sending them text and you were sending them push, what did they engage with? And, uh, you know, in the evenings, was it push? You know, was it in the mornings, was it email or was it just email or was it just SMS? You know, where is it? And, and ultimately that's what you want to do is you want to take in all the data and you want to, uh, you want to analyze it across you know, all the channels that you have um and then and then be able to determine you know what's the what's the uh, affinity for each channel and, and, is it, and is it different by time of day or or by topic or what have you but you know sms for instance you know it's just a really great channel for urgency you think about uh how it gets used for uh for certain other communications and appointment reminders and, and just things that are like very uh very pointed uh, and, and so again, you know, that can be very effective for a brand to, to communicate important things about their business and how things are changing in real time. Uh, so there's some, some channels to consider uh, in terms of how that mix shakes out. But ultimately, you want to be taking in all that data and you know, figuring it out uh, in terms of just you know, what, what the affinity is. Um, and, and so you know, again, machine learning uh, would play a big role there. There are uh, obviously ways to, to pull in the data and then try to model it or, or finesse it without machine learning to try to figure it out. But it's going to involve more manpower and most brands probably don't have the budget to <laughs> increase the manpower, you know, otherwise uh, in terms of the mix, you know, 
start where you can start. Like, have you looked at send time optimization even just for one channel, let alone, you know, across the channels? Like, have you, have you done send time optimization even just email or for um, push and all those other channels? And so, you know, if you have, you know, is it stale or is it something that's, you know, that's, that's always running and uh, constantly learning? Um, if it's stale, you know, revisit it. You know, maybe, maybe behaviors and things have changed uh, since you last did it, especially given the climate today and, and figure out, you know, the adjustments you need to make. Uh, those with uh, obviously emotionally loyal customers like you and me, Lee, with our beloved Dunkin' Donuts, no matter what Kayla says, when we hear from them or when we have an opportunity to purchase from them, mm. we do because we have that loyalty that resonates deep. Do any of your brands have a strong loyalty present? Yeah, it's across the board. Uh, I've got some that I'm working with that have a really... Uh, a fairly robust program where you know it's much more thought out and there's more dimension to it and, and aspects there to engage with and then brains that just don't even have it and then some that have it and it was started in seemingly all the wrong ways for all the wrong reasons and it's it's kind of a you know kind of a, a disaster and so uh, holistically I'm hearing about it. I mean people are either beefing it up and re rethinking it or they're saying we're not in the game and we got to figure it out. Um, and that, and that varies from saying, I want to go more sophisticated to, I'm not sure I want an explicit program at all. Maybe I want to do something shadow loyalty wise. Um, and then for those that have it, so many of these programs are just generic and it's just earn and burn, like just come spend and earn. And then we give you, we just erode our margin by just giving you a discount. And um, while that's a, a critical part to a lot of programs, and that, that's gonna, what's gonna drive a lot of the activity, especially now, you need to have something more going on than just that. Mm -hmm. And the retailers don't wanna, they, they can't afford to keep dipping into their margin to drive a program like that. So for those that are stuck in an earn and burn world, um, you know, I've got conversations going that like, what else can we do? So we're like, well, you know, how about you start to, uh, you know, issue points for connecting social accounts? And then you're able to kind of keep tabs on them in, in those channels and, and kind of see what they've got going on there. And so, yeah, that is, that is definitely, I mean, if you talk about how do I move away from a margin eroding program, well, you, you offer, uh, you know, exclusive merchandise or badges or fun experiences or uh, status and all kinds of different things you can offer um, for completing experiences and getting that data or doing different behaviors, watching a video, digesting content. Um, I mean, how do I, how do I get you to care about my retail brand and our cause marketing when all you want is a t-shirt? Well, by getting you to lean in and actually listen to something from me, that's not just a sale that talks about the quality of our products or what's different about our products and, and you know, why it means something, why we support the, uh, the environment, why we, help uh you know people in need and you know all these sorts of things that would actually make me care more about the brand um and for that you know you know reward them for watching that video or for reading that article or for sharing you know their their you know take on that cause uh some brands are woefully behind and are having to scramble to figure out how to change their loyalty program to accommodate stuff like this uh, fortunately, we've got some some really nice uh, low hanging opportunities that we can get off the ground really quickly. Um, and then other brands are maybe better poised. And then some are still just saying, "What? What should we even have a state of loyalty program?" Yeah. And so it's top of mind. But I can tell you, if you've got one, a good program, 
you're in a much better spot right now because there's so many ways that you can engage and use it to engage your customers through a time like this. And you've got so much more uh, rich data on your customers than those that don't have a program. Uh, that I, I think those that have a, have a good loyalty program right now are really seeing the benefits versus those who don't are, are probably struggling a lot more. Yeah, one of my favorite examples of this actually is our client, uh, Fleet Feet. They're doing an amazing job with their rewards program right now. So they just partnered with the Run Experience and they built a campaign, um, Together We Move. So it's like hashtag Together We Move and hashtag Running Is Not Canceled. And they're doing these runs and trainings all virtually on their app. And obviously as part of their rewards program, like you get points for miles that you're running and tracking. So it's just really cool to see them to take their community and embrace what makes them a community and leverage that in this situation to bring them even closer together. Are there any other loyalty programs that resonate with you or you think actually do a good job? Like free shipping for their loyalty members uh, or you know, only loyalty members. Great way to grow your program. You know, everyone needs free shipping right now and you, you need it period to compete with Amazon. Um, you know, but, but now, you know, what a great way to just say, hey, just join the loyalty program, it's free and, and we get free shipping. Uh, extending the return policy, maybe doing that even more so for, uh, for loyalty members. You know, if you've got to charge the shipping, maybe there's a creative way that you even, you know, kind of knock down some of those barriers for returns at this critical time. And you do that for your loyalty members. So good. Well, I think I'm going to wrap us up now because um, we've got a lot of material and good old yeah. Julian here is going to have to edit it all through. Dick the halls with bows of donuts. Real customers are telling you why their holidays run on Dunkin'. All I want for Christmas is a Dunkin' Peppermint Dunkachino. With the Dunkin' app, I can order and pay on my smartphone, so my coffee's waiting for me when I walk in. I love Dunkin', guys. <laughs> what are you talking about? Where else can I get breakfast and the perfect stocking stuffer? You want to talk real customers? Kid, that's me. I'm like the mayor of Dunkin's. This is the face of Dunkin' Donuts right there. Hey, you yeah. can't smoke I'm, in here, man. I'm not, Mark. I'm not smoking You're in smoking here. You're smoking in here. It's outside. Yeah, I come down to Dunkin' every day. Grab a Corolla, have an extra large, three parliaments, take a big dump. That's kind of the routine. I'm going to seat right over there. This douchebag will move when I'm ready. And with Dunkin' Rewards app, there's even more reason to celebrate the season. Yo, free coffee! I got the big one! I got a free coffee right there on the app. <laughs>